Welcome back to Men in Balance, an interview now with Paul Cameron, who's the anchor for WBTV in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, is has been on that job for some time now. So, well. uh, as news anchor since 1996, but I've been with WBTV since 1981, so coming up on 32 years. Wow, it's been a while, hasn't it? Hard to believe. Amazing how you can sit still and time passes by. <laughs> it's just shocking, my friend. It really is. <laughs> so tell us, uh, just to get a handle on who you are, where you came from, a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you, how you wound up here. Born in Oklahoma, raised in Patch River, Southern Maryland. Uh, at the Patuxent River Naval Air Station. Uh, my dad worked for Lockheed Aircraft. Uh, as a kid, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, future astronauts. Uh, Alan Shepard was one who came through and gave me a set of Naval Aviator wings when I was a kid. And ironically, when they opened the Charlotte Coliseum, they had him come back as a special guest, and I got to go up to him, and I said, Mr. Shepard, these are the wings you gave me when I was a kid. Wow. And he remembered, he, he, first thing he asked was, how's my mother? Oh, <laughs> he, really? He liked my mother. How's really? old Sybil? Good. But uh, so I always felt good about that. I've got those in my collection, which is great. But uh, Pax River was idealistic. It was a, on the river, the Patuxent River, and crabbing and fishing, and just a great place to grow up. It really was. But my dad got transferred back to uh, Burbank, California, with Lockheed in my senior year. So from my junior to senior year, I had to switch and go to a brand new high school and a brand new element altogether, California. And I knew I didn't want to stay there long. I liked it, but. I wanted to get back to the southeast. I was really a southeast boy. And so uh, I looked around at colleges, and I would got a couple of offers. But the University of Florida, which I, I thought had dorms on the beaches, but found out I didn't. Uh, it was right in the middle of the state, <laughs> smack dab, 50 miles the beach this way and 50 miles that way. Uh, so I went to the University of Florida. My dad was eventually transferred to Miami. Uh, I met my wife, Jan, in Gainesville. And uh, we got married in 1976. We're coming up on our 37th anniversary here very shortly. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, that's where I started my career, was in Gainesville. Uh, radio station had a tryout. I had a friend who talked me into it, twisted my arm, and I actually got a job as a radio announcer. Did a little um, big band shift in the morning, signing on the radio station. Uh, which I love doing. I love the music. Right. This was an AM, I assume. No, this was an FM station, what? believe it or not. It was yeah. a very popular show. But the problem was I was a college student. Mm. And uh, when you have to uh, go to bed by 8 or 9 o'clock in, in the evening, it just doesn't happen in college. And so I was getting very little sleep, and I was completely, completely tired all the time, which was, it was unenjoyable. So I eventually had to quit that and uh, moved on to an AM radio station where I did rock and roll radio and... But most importantly, I did. Um, I started doing a lot of news and sports, and I really found that that's what I liked the best: that uh, informing people, mm -hmm. uh, telling people uh, about their lives and things to look out for, warnings and such, and especially sports. I really, really enjoyed. Of course, who what college kid doesn't enjoy doing sports? Well, this station had uh, Otis Boggs, who was the voice of the Gators, and I got to know him pretty well. And Otis started asking me along on some of the ball games. And so I started doing a little fill-in commentary, uh, sidelines and that sort of thing with him, on especially Gator basketball, which wasn't very big back then. And then I did some for the football team. Then it, that was actually pretty big because football was huge in Florida. And so I got, a, I got a great education there. The next step that happened was I got an internship with WJXT Jacksonville, Florida. They were a post-Newsweek station, big station. And they would always take two interns every year. 
and I got to be one of them, a male and a female. The female decided that she didn't like it and she quit. And then they went through some problems with people and lost some people. And so I ended up working the weekends as reporter, photographer, fill in this, fill in that. I did just a little of everything. Great experience, though, wasn't it? It's exactly what propelled me in my career. Yeah. It's, it's what made my career, there's just no question. And yeah. I did that for, and I ended up as not just an intern, but then they took me on part-time. And I did it for more than a year, which delayed, of course, my graduation a little bit. I finally told them, I said, I had to go back and get my degree, finish up school. And they said, uh, okay, but come back to us as soon as you're done. So I finished up in December, and I came back to them. They got a new news director, and I'll never forget sitting in his office asking him for a job. And he said, kid, we don't hire interns. <laughs> and so Things have changed. Huh? Things changed. Yeah. Well, I spent the next month or so knowing that I was getting married uh, about two months down the road, uh, you know, just frantically searching for a job anywhere, any place. And I was getting all kinds of rejection letters, as you normally do. Uh, very little experience. Um, I came to the University of Florida uh, Shands Teaching Hospital. They needed a jack of all trades. Producer, writer, photographer, host, uh, a little of everything. And I was the night before I was to sign a contract to do that for several years. And it was a public broadcasting situation. The TV station in Jacksonville called me. They mm. called me back. They had just lost their sports department. They called me back and said, Kid, we know you did some sports and you, you helped uh, in the sports department here. Uh, How would you like to try out for a job? The hell were you then? 21 years old. Hmm. 21 years old. I just, uh, I just graduated. Was it 21? 22, maybe 22. Just graduated college. And um, I went up there, tried out, and got the job. Became weekend sportscaster. Yeah. So then how from there to Charlotte was it? Well, I worked uh, five years in Jacksonville and uh, immediately, uh, well, I was the weekend sportscaster. And then two years later, they made me the prime sportscaster and uh, weekday sportscaster. And I stayed there for three more years. And then uh, I had done a number of games with Jim Thacker. Yeah. Good old Jim. had called Jim. Me. Yeah, Jim it was at WBTV for years and years. And uh, Jim used to do uh, ACC basketball quite a bit. But he also did a conference called the Sunbelt Conference, and UNC Charlotte was in it, and Jacksonville University was in it, and that's how they knew me. And so I started doing some games as a color fill-in and that sort of thing. And um, so they got to know me, and when it was time for Jim to leave the station, he told them about me. They called me and said, hey, how about Charlotte? Mm. Well, I came to Charlotte in December of 1980 to look around, and I thought, oh, my goodness, there's nothing here. This is nothing like Jacksonville. Jacksonville had things going on. Right. Uh, but they convinced me. I signed a contract, and I came. Actually, it took till June of 81 before I got here. I got here in June of 81. And at that time, sports in Charlotte was you had to drive someplace to cover sports. Now, we had racing, of course, which mm -hmm. was, was, was becoming big. Um, but we had a bunch of minor league teams, the minor league uh, Charlotte O's baseball team, and we had a soccer team and this and that. But then this guy, the funny little guy called George Shen, walked in the door. Right. And George decided he wanted, first of all, uh, uh, he wanted a football team, USFL football team. And he staged a couple of exhibitions, and they went over very well. And that kind of gauged the appetite for sports in the area. And the next thing you know, he's going after an NBA team. And I go out to Phoenix with him, and headline of the paper was that uh, the only franchise Charlotte can support is McDonald's. 
<laughs> wow. Would you know that they gave him an NBA franchise the next and, day? Of and, it was, and it turned out to be huge. Well, it changed Charlotte quite a bit. Yeah. It changed Charlotte dramatically. Uh, suddenly, we became on the map, the national map. Right. And uh, So without that, really, the Panthers probably wouldn't have had a shot. I mean, that, it's The Panthers sort of, would not have, and Jerry Richardson will tell you yeah, that, without yeah. that first, first major league team to come to yeah, town. There's really. no question. But also, you know, Charlotte evolved as this banking center in, right. the, in the same time. And we got hotels and restaurants and a downtown, which, which started to flourish. And before my eyes, my job changed from sleepy little Berg to uh, NBA town to in the mid-90s. Now we've got an uh, NFL franchise. Mm. It, and then they said to me, hey, we just lost our main anchor, Bob Inman. We want you to become the news anchor. When did that happen? 1996. Right. 1996. So uh, I'm just curious, how did you feel when you got that inquiry? Was that an exciting change for you, or were you <laughs> reluctant to give up sports? You know, Jerry, it's funny because at that time, I had really come in my mind thinking about my future. And I knew that sports on a local level had become less and less uh, uh Interesting. Not so much for me. I mean, I, I was always interested in sport. I loved the games. Mm-hmm. I loved the people. But the travel was mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. because I was doing ACC games. I'd leave at 1130 on a Friday night. I would uh, drive to Clemson or North Carolina or Virginia. I'd do a game. I might do a second game on a Sunday. I'd come back on a Monday and start the week over again and mm-hmm. do that for, you know, 13 weeks straight, take a break, and then do another 13 weeks straight. And I was missing out on my family life, right. my home life. Yeah. And so when the opportunity came to move over to the uh, news anchor chair and see the weekends off, unless something big happens, uh, I took it. Yeah. I took it. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who see you on the air know nothing about you as an individual. And I happen to know that you are a very spiritual man and have been. So I'm just curious about how that evolved and how you see that in the context, context of your life overall. Well, Jerry, that's... Um, it all started uh, with uh, being brought up as a Catholic. My dad, my stepdad was a Catholic, and he married my mother, who was a divorcee. And uh, the rule back then was, if you remarry, you bring up the kids as a Catholic. So we went to Catholic school. And let me tell you, I think the world of what they did educationally. They gave me the education. They made me the person I am. There's just no question. But by the time I got into sixth grade, their bias against my uh, mother uh, started to show. Uh, they did not like the fact that uh, I didn't go through their final confirmation, I think it was, to become a full Catholic. And my brother uh, also, he was younger, and uh, he, was, he, was a, he was much more of a troublemaker than I was in mm. school, and so they didn't like that. And, well, anyway, my mother got upset and took us out of that and put us in, in public school. So seventh grade, I went on to public school. Well, we changed over to uh, uh, an Episcopal church, which is uh, lower Catholic Catholicism yeah, almost. And we loved the place. It was great, and um, they just had great activities for the kids. It was far more inviting than what the Catholic church was. And um, we left... As I said, we left uh, Maryland in my senior year of high school and went to California. Well, now, church became a thing of the past at that point. But I know that I was yearning for something because when I got to college at the University of Florida, I started looking around on my own for churches. And I found uh, several different ones, but one was really, really hit the note with the college kids. It was a very uh, evangelical, uh, fundamentalist-type church. 
and it was a Church of Christ, and uh, I started going there, and uh, it was it was good for me, really was. Kept my mind in the right place mm-hmm. uh, with all the temptations, mm-hmm. the college kids, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the early seventies. Yeah. Uh, it was it was very good for me. Again, something good, something was looking out for me. Yeah. God was on my shoulder saying, "Here's the direction." Now I didn't stay with that church. I found some problems down the road, and I decided not not to stay with them. And Jan and I ended up getting married in in '76 after I got the job and got graduated from from college. And um, we started looking around for churches, and she was brought up as a Presbyterian. And so I guess our happy medium was to come to the Methodist Church. And we started going to a Methodist Church in Jacksonville and loved it. It was great, wonderful. Loved the preacher, loved the congregation. It was great. It does does seem there's a lot of couples who do that. One's Catholic and one's Presbyterian or something, and they sort of find the middle ground. Exactly, and it's not an easy thing to do sometimes. So so how, how would you say your own spiritual life has evolved over the years? Well, I would say, Jerry, that... uh, over time, and especially uh, with age and with uh, getting a little long on the tooth and, and having children who are now grown, uh, spiritualism becomes much more important the older you get. Mm. To me, I knew it was important, but did I take it seriously? No, not really. Not in college, not in those days. But as I grew and as I saw my children grew, had grown, I realized that there was something more, that you had to have belief, you had to pass on this belief onto your kids. Now, I will tell you that my wife, Jan, is much better than I am about it. She's much more diligent. I used to, um, I used to love to belong to the Church of St. Mattress on Sunday mornings. Uh, <laughs> and she will still to this day tell you that I would rather yeah. sleep in. But it had a lot to do with my job at those, at sure, those days. Yeah. Uh, but now, now we love to go to church. Uh, I don't go near as much as I should. Yeah. But uh, spiritually, yes, uh, I feel like... Uh, I feel like uh, you know I owe a lot. Uh, I've been I've been very lucky in my life, very lucky, mm. and and God has been looking out for. He's been very good to us, mm. and uh, you know I owe him. Yeah. Uh, there's no question. Well, there was a time when you were obviously working such long hours that uh, that it was probably difficult to even find time for anything of, on your own. But uh, so, it, if you were giving advice to the younger Paul back mm. then, would you have said still make time for that? Absolutely. Yeah. Make more time. Yeah. Um, you don't see your life at 25 years old as you see it when you're pushing 60. Mm-hmm. When you look back at the last 59 years, it's much easier to see the time that you should have spent. Mm-hmm. It really is. At 25, you see the world in front of you, you think it's never going to end, yeah. you know? And you think, okay, you know, I'll have time for that. Uh, at one point, I'll have time for God as well. Well, you know what? Really, you need to make time. Mm-hmm. You need to make time. It's, it's almost, the, the analogy I would take is almost like exercise. Yeah. You know, if you don't exercise, you're going to look like a bum after a while. So if you don't develop your spiritual side, you'll have a bum of a spirituality as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, um, I've mentioned this several times before in other places, but the survey that we did on um, men's issues talked about men as the spiritual leader of the family, and the majority of the men that were in the interview or in the survey said their family did not see them as the spiritual leader. Mm. That's, um, that's a little bit troubling, and how do we, uh, what is your reaction to that? Does that surprise you? Well, I have good friends who, um, 
have moved to Charleston, unfortunately, but they've been great friends to me. And uh, Lee is the spiritual head of his family. There's just no doubt about it. He, he leads a, a Bible class, a study class, and that sort of thing. Now, I'm not going to be to that point ever. Mm-hmm. And my wife is very strong. And she has been, I will say, more of a spiritual leader for the children than I have been. But it doesn't mean that, that my example hasn't gone unnoticed. Mm-hmm. I, I hope at least that right, that's right. the point. I don't think it has to be just the man as the spiritual leader, but I think at least the parental unit, whether it's one or two, you need to have that spiritual guidance for for kids. And it sounds like your mom was pretty intent on that happening for you when you were a kid. She was, there's no question. Now, she was raised as a Methodist, uh, but uh, again, because she wanted to make sure that we had a good family upbringing. That, uh, that the, you know, the, the, the silliness of worrying about who's divorced and what religion you're, you're that's crazy. Yeah. Right. And she wanted to get past that. And so she instilled in me that, you know, you, you just have to, you have to love each other. And, uh, but most importantly, you have to make time for your, for your creator. Yeah. So uh, in the workplace, spirituality is not, I would say, often, no. if ever, discussed by no. men particularly. No. Um, is that... Is that as it should be? Do you feel any? Uh, do you feel it sort of odd if you bring up something spiritual? No, I don't. I never feel odd about it. Uh, the one advantage of age and longevity is that I can say what I want, and they just look at me as the funny old guy. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, but uh, no. It, in fact, you know, it's funny that you even mentioned that because we have several people working for us who are deeply spiritual, and it comes through their work oftentimes. Um, I think that that's a wonderful thing. I think I think I think it propels them as reporters and storytellers to be honest and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where trust comes in with the viewers. Mm-hmm. I think viewers see through that. It's more than just seeing what the image looks like on the glass. I think viewers get a sense of that. Um, you know, I can name a few. Uh, David Wisnett is one who is uh, always very spiritual and always has been, always will be. Um, these are people that I admire right. because they stick to what they believe. And, and they are what they appear to be. I mean, they're exactly what they appear to yeah. be. No question. Well, another thing people probably don't know about you is that you're quite a musician. How did all that come about? <laughs> Jerry, I don't know that I'm quite a musician. <laughs> well, quite but doesn't I, have to be good. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I, am, um, I am one who, uh, uh, and again, thanks to my mother, I think it came from my mother. Is that, but although I say my real father actually was a, a bit of a musician himself, but um, I've always had an ear for music. And in uh, junior high school, they got me involved playing saxophone, and uh, it was the right instrument for me. I loved playing alto saxophone, and I was a, uh, a leader in the band and in the stage band. And then uh, when I got to college, I played a little bit here and there and make a little extra money and. But then I gave that up for a while. And in college, you know, the thing back in the 70s was play guitar. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. So I got an old used guitar, and I taught myself a couple of chords. And uh, next thing you know, I'm playing some music, sitting at a beanbag, and this beautiful woman walks in with long blonde hair. <laughs> and she says, and I'm playing Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. No. And she says, can you teach me that? And I said, 
meet you at the pool tomorrow. Well, that was the start of 37 years of marriage with Jan. Wow. So the guitar was everything for you. It really has been, <laughs> believe it or not. So, so tell us, what, what instruments do you play? I know you play guitar, banjo. Yeah, but, well, I can't say I play banjo. I just I kind of pluck at banjo. I play guitar. I play acoustic guitar primarily. I do play some electric guitar. Mm-hmm. I have one. Uh, I play bass when needed. We had a little band, and uh, it was uh, me and uh, my daughter, Andrea, who is a quite a skilled singer, and she plays keyboards. And my son, Patrick, who plays drums, he also plays keyboards and, and taught himself to play guitar. And then we had two other people. But the lead guitarist of the group was um, a guy who decided to, to leave, and so our band broke up, unfortunately. Mm. But it, when we played, I would play bass, or I would play acoustic guitar, or I'd play electric guitar. It just depended on, on what we needed. Mm. Back to career, just a minute to sure. wrap up. Um, it's nice to be on the um, the other side, I guess, of a career, so you're not worrying about career the way we do when we're much younger. But Very true. What advice would you give to folks who are seeking some sort of balance in their life with career and mm-hmm. um, and spiritual issues and family life and all of that? No, I think balance is the most important thing. It's hard at that age when you are worried about your career, worried about the money that you're making mm-hmm. to support a family. It's difficult, but you know, you, this is where I think trust comes in. You have to trust that there's a greater force looking out for you and worship that force. And that's where you know your God comes in. Um, you have to know that things are going to work out right, and I've always thought that in the back of my mind, even when it didn't look good and, mm-hmm. and it didn't turn out so good at the time. I think there's always reasons down the road that you will eventually see be unveiled to you. And maybe it's not until after you're long gone from this earth. But I think that I think that eventually there's a master plan for each one of us. Now, we can take the forks in the road, and we have that human will that we can veer off. But, you know, you're going to pay the price sometimes mm-hmm. if you make the wrong decision. So you trust in God. You worship and you try to develop some spirituality as long as you can and fold it into your normal life. Uh, I think I don't think it has to outbalance things, but I think it has to be there, one right. of the components. Um, yeah, so, so for younger guys who may be so overwhelmed with work demands and so forth, um, any thoughts on how to still build that into your daily life I mean it's, it's, it's really hard well don't uh, don't do it like I did and, and give in to the St. Mattress uh, <laughs> give uh, give yourself force yourself yeah. uh, also it helps to marry a good woman who, who uh, twists your arm a little bit yeah. and I think that has a lot to do with yeah, it yeah that's always good yeah a good partner will always uh, always get you get you to the right place and uh, I thank my wife Jan for that she has certainly been she has been very good for me yeah well, Paul, our time is up. Thanks so much for your time. You've been very generous, and uh, it's good to get to know you, and hopefully good for our folks to get to know you as well. Jerry, I'm so delighted that you get the chance to do this. This Men in Balance program, I think, is very worthwhile, and I really hope it catches on. I think it's a, it's a good thing for everyone. Thank you so much. I'm Jerry Hancock, Men in Balance. <laughs>